Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our scripture reading this morning continues in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, where Jesus is speaking with his disciples. This text may be found on page 982 of your Pew Bible. Let us pray for illumination. Living God, help us to hear your holy word that we may truly understand, that understanding we may believe, and believing we may follow in all faithfulness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, amen. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So friends, as you've heard our pastor Melanie tell us, we've been exploring the seven I am statements of Jesus Christ in this preaching series. If this is new to you, if you're a visitor today, you haven't been back for a while, we're so glad that you are here. So we've explored actually five of the seven I am statements. Today we're on the sixth one. There's a little hint on the front of the bulletin cover if you need it. Um, I'm going to give you a quiz. So the first statement that we explored together, Jesus said, I am, look, I am what? Bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That's the first statement. The second one, go. Jesus said, I am the? Oh, good. Light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The third statement, Jesus said, I am for, oh, lovely, the gate for the sheep. 
I have come that you might have life and have life how? Abundantly. Yeah, golly, good job. I, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep by name, and they know me. They follow me because they know my voice. Yeah, wow, nicely done. Then last week we talked about Jesus saying, I am the resurrection and the life. All who believe in me, even though they die, they will live. And all those who live and believe in me, they will never die. And now we're on John 14, verse 6. You heard Terry read this to you. Jesus says, I am thee, and thee, and thee. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this is the exact verse that a former student of mine, Rodney, was quoted on the floor of Foothills Presbytery. So we have a collection of presbyteries across the country. These are the churches that are gathered together in a particular region. We are in the Presbytery of the Heartland, the greater Kansas City area. Almost 80 churches are in the Heartland Presbytery. My former student, Rodney, was being examined by the Foothills Presbytery. This is the northwest corner of South Carolina. They were meeting at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenville, South Carolina, the gathering of those church leaders, pastors, and ruling elders. Rodney had a call to serve the Fort Hill Presbyterian Church in Clemson, South Carolina. In order for him to do that, the last step was he had to be examined and voted on by the presbytery. Your pastors, like Melanie and myself and Tom, Sally Wright, others, we are not members of our churches where we serve. We are members of the presbytery. So the presbytery gets to decide, ultimately, if we will join them as a member. That's what was happening with Rodney. The motion had been made that Rodney be ordained and installed as one of the pastors at Fort Hill Presbyterian Church there in Clemson. And the discussion was open on the floor, and a gentleman got up from one of the churches there in Foothills Presbytery. He looked at Rodney there, and he said, son, I have one question for you. And Rodney says, yes, sir. And the gentleman, a ruling elder from one of the churches there in Foothills Presbytery, he said, son, John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through the Father. Do you believe this to be true, son? John 14, 6. And Rodney said, yes, sir, I do. Thanks be to God. And then, just as the gentleman was going to sit down, Rodney, bless his heart, kept on talking. Rodney said, sir, I do have to say that while I believe John 14, 6 to be true, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him, I also have to say, to be honest, sir, that God being God, the maker of the whole universe, it seems to me that if God wants to save someone outside of Jesus Christ, that God could do that because God is God. And I do believe that God saves people through Jesus, but I think God is God, so thank you. The gentleman who had sat down stood up again, 
and looked across the sanctuary at Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenville to Rodney, and he said, what did you just say? I was not there, but I heard about it because a week and a half earlier from the Presbytery meeting, Rodney had called me and extended the gracious invitation for me to preach at his ordination and installation there at the church in Clemson. I marked it down on my calendar. He said, Dr. Nishioka, I just have a word to you. I said, hey, Rodney, yeah, hey, you were examined on Saturday, Foothills Presbytery. He said, yeah, um, remember when I asked you to preach at my ordination installation? Yes, I got that on my calendar. I'm so excited, so honored to be invited. Thank you very much for that honor. He said, well, Dr. Nishioka, that date now free. I said, Rodney, what did you do? He explained that after his exchange with the gentleman, the whole presbytery turned to a larger conversation about salvation and how people are saved. It was a long conversation, so long that they couldn't return to the question of whether they accept Rodney as a minister of the word and sacrament, so they suspended his examination. Foothills Presbytery meets once every three months, so he said, I go before the presbytery in three months and we'll find out what happens then. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So this conversation happens as Jesus is turning his face toward Jerusalem. He knows what is coming. He knows the days will soon be there when he will be arrested and tortured. He will be executed by crucifixion. And by the grace of God and the power of God, he will be raised again from the dead. He knows these days are coming. His disciples are not so sure. In fact, just before this conversation happens in John chapter 14, at the end of John chapter 13, Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, there will come a time when three times you will be asked about me and you will deny even knowing me three times. Peter says emphatically, Lord, that day will never come. Jesus says in the start of chapter 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid, for I am going to my Father's house, and there are many rooms in that house. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You can almost hear the disciples. They're talking among themselves and saying, wait, wait, um, wait. But he comes from Nazareth. And archaeologists tell us now that at the time of Jesus, Actually, Nazareth was a small little burg. There were less than 300 people there in Nazareth. It was a poor community. The disciples are saying to each other, I, I think we know his dad, Joe, and he was a carpenter, but he didn't have a whole lot of money, and there aren't any mansions in Nazareth. What does he mean? Jesus says, I'm going ahead of you to prepare my place for you. I will bring there with me, you know the way. And then Thomas, whom I love, oh, Lord bless Thomas. Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, where are you going, and how do we know the way? And Jesus says to all of them, these women, these men who followed him for three and a half years of their life, he says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father 
except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's an extraordinary and amazing statement. I believe it to be true. I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I believe no one comes to God except through Jesus Christ. I have staked my whole life upon this. I believe it to be true. But just as I believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, I also believe that it's Jesus' intention that he does not describe exactly how everyone comes to the Father through him. He says, everyone comes to God through me. But he does not say, this is how that happens. I think he doesn't say it because that is an act alone according to God. Because my imagination is not grand enough. As much as I can imagine, I can't imagine all the ways that God can choose to save. Because as Rodney said, God is God. God is the maker of the universe. And thank you, we are not. So salvation ultimately is up to God. How that happens, I don't even understand all of it. I cannot begin to understand all of it. And how dare people be arrogant and hubristic enough to be able to claim that they know exactly how God chooses to save. That is up to God. So you would ask me, Roger, is it possible, do you think, in God's imagination that someone who has little to no faith could be saved through Jesus Christ? And I would tell you, I believe that's up to God. Roger, is it possible that someone who has no faith outside of the faith can be saved by God through Jesus Christ? I would tell you, I believe that's possible. It's all up to God. Is it possible, Roger, that someone could be saved through Jesus Christ to God and not even know that they're being saved through Jesus Christ to God? I would say, I believe that's possible. It's all up to God because it's not up to us. And I find great rest in that truth. When I was in college at Seattle Pacific University, one of my friends, we would do Bible study together. I glanced at his Bible and I realized on the inside front cover of his Bible, he had all these stick figures. And I said, hey, Joe, what, what, what are those? Listen to his language. He said, oh, Roger, these represent each of the people that I have I have saved. These represent each of the people that I have saved. He told me that I'm half a stick person. He was still working with me at the time. And I turned to him and said, Joe, buddy, I don't think you're that powerful. It seems to me only God is the one who saves. And how God chooses to do that is entirely up to God. But our call is to be faithful and to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love others as we would like to be loved, to share the faith in ways that delight and bring joy and hope to a world that desperately needs places of delight, moments of joy, a true sense of hope. Salvation is up to God. 
Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God except through Jesus. But how that happens, it's entirely up to God. So I was privileged to be speaking at a weekend for the Presbytery of the Yukon, which is the upper portion of the state of Alaska. We were renting a space from the Victory Bible Camp. Victory is a great word. Bible is a great word. Camp is a great word. But put all those together, it makes some Presbyterians a little nervous. I got picked up at the Anchorage Airport, drove an hour, a little hour and a half um, northwest of Anchorage to the Victory Bible Camp. On the way there, the pastors that picked me up said, hey, just to let you know, we've never used this facility before. There's a couple that owns the camp. It's a great place. We're excited to be there. But they've asked a lot of questions about what it is that we believe. I said, great. Yeah, so they may ask you questions too. I met them. They were lovely, delightful. They showed us around the place. It really was a great facility. About 150 young people from Anchorage and Fairbanks and Palmer and Wasilla and the North Slope, which was so great to have them there, adult leaders as well. The first evening, I gave my first presentation, and the couple who owned the place were sitting in two chairs over this side of the auditorium, and they had their their arms crossed the entire time. The next morning, I gave my second keynote presentation, and the couple was sitting over there, this side of the auditorium, had their arms crossed the entire time. We finished that morning, the young people and the adults, they scattered to go to small groups for discussion, and the young couple who owned the place, they came up to me and said, Pastor, we've got some questions for you. I said, of course. And they said, so... We're a little intrigued. Uh, You've talked last night and this morning all about Jesus Christ. And I said, yeah. They said, well, you are talking a lot about Jesus. And I said, well, he's, he's kind of the point. And they said, okay. Well, we're surprised because we had heard that you Presbyterians stopped believing in Jesus a long time ago. And I said, well, some probably, but most of us, I think we do. And then they asked that great question. The two of them turned to me and said, So, when were you, when were you saved? When were you saved? And I said, Oh, golly, thank you for asking me. I, honestly, I'll tell you, I grew up in a Christian home. My mom and dad loved Jesus, loved God, loved the church. I can honestly tell you there's never been a time in my life when I did not know that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior and God loved me. They said, yes, but when were you saved? And I said, well, uh, I, I sensed you're looking for a particular time. So if, if I'm looking to choose a time, I would tell you it probably came at the end of my confirmation journey at the Japanese Presbyterian Church of Seattle. I was 17 years old, went through confirmation. At the end, I stood up in front of the congregation with my other confirmands, friends around me, and the congregation, my family, and, and, and the pastor turned to me and said, who is your Lord and Savior? And I said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And the pastor said, will you follow him? And I said, yes, I will. If you're looking for a particular moment, I guess that would be the moment. And this earnest and lovely couple looked at me and they said, well, that's not good enough. And they turned around and they walked away. 
I told a friend of mine later on about this adventure in Alaska. He serves a church in upstate New York. He said, Roger, whenever I get that question, when were you saved? He says, I always say, the moment that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that's when I was saved. Another friend of mine serves the First Presbyterian Church of Albuquerque, New Mexico. She said, whenever I get that question, she said, I answer, I am being saved every moment of every day by the grace of God, because it is not ever finished. It goes on and on and on. So this is important. God is the one who saves. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through him. But how that happens is entirely up to God. Because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And because how salvation happens is up to God, no one, no one, no human being on the face of the earth ever gets to turn to you and say that your faith journey is not good enough. No human being on the face of the earth gets to turn to you ever in your life and say that your experience of Jesus Christ, your experience of the Holy Spirit, your coming to the nature of the church, your sense of God in your life, no one ever gets to say to you that that's not good enough because God is the one who says, and it's not up to us. Ephesians says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is a gift of God so that no one may boast. The bread of life, the light of the world, the gate for the sheep, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life and the way, the truth and the life for us all by the grace of God. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.